This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for uh, your Word. And Lord, as we uh, consider the passage before us, we ask that you grant understanding, Lord, so that we may uh, know your will, do your will, Lord, so that we may honor you as, as we are. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, First Timothy chapter 2. Boy, we had some great uh, discussion going on Sunday night <laughs> after the service. That was fun. Uh, it was a blessing. Several, well, a few pockets happening, I think. <clears throat> this this passage we're going to look at tonight has the potential to generate <laughs> that, some uh, some interesting discussion for sure. Uh, and just be praying uh, that we uh, that I do it justice here, and I just want to I just want to go through a few things and compare uh, what we're looking at here with a couple other um, parallel passages, and and well, one in particular. And uh, so anyway, let's just just uh, well, as always, really, let's just be praying that the Lord have His way here. All right, I'm going to start reading. In verse 8, although we kind of talked about that one last week, really we're going to focus in on 9 through 15 and uh, talk a little bit about the woman question in the, uh, in the church. Um, but verse 8, 1 Timothy 2, 8. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. All right, interesting passage, to say the least. Um, now, uh, first of all, just what we touched on last week, remember here Paul is, is uh, addressing um, men and women, and as we talked about last week, he says, I desire that, therefore, that men pray everywhere. All men, we talked about again last week, all men, meaning all manner of men, uh, all manner of men Everywhere, pray, pray. In fact, he calls that the first thing uh, 
that we are to do. Uh, back in verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all manner of men. All men. So, again, pray. Pray. All men everywhere. Pray for all men everywhere. And all men everywhere. Pray. Pray. This is Paul's desire. Lifting up holy hands, sign of submission to the Lord, without wrath and doubting. So, again, implying uh, pureness of uh, heart there and sincerity that we've been talking about already uh, as we move through chapter 1. Big emphasis on, on uh, genuine faith, sincerity, uh, godliness. And we're going to see that word again here. In this passage, so it's all in that uh, in that context. And as well, a quick reminder before we move into uh, chapter nine: <clears throat> what is being discussed here? Chapter three, verse fifteen. I write. This is key verse for the whole letter. What what Paul is writing for? I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So, Paul's reason for writing, so that we may know how we ought to conduct ourselves in the house of God. Not meaning a building, but meaning us, the church. In fact, that's what he says, which is the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia of the living God. So, that's the purpose behind these instructions that he's giving for for men, for women, and then... uh, for church polity and everything that he covers here in First in Timothy. So keep that in mind. It, it, it is how we are to conduct ourselves as an assembly, the church of the living God, when we, when we come together, how we are to conduct ourselves in the household of God, as we've been saying. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back and forth a little bit between here and... 1 Corinthians 14. So let, let me read you the last verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, uh, because uh, that has a bearing here as well. In, in finishing up a great deal of his instruction there in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says this in verse 40, Let all things be done decently and in order. All things be done decently and in order. All right? So that you may know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. All things should be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14.1, he instructs them to pursue love. Um, here, if you remember, we talked about uh, being in pursuit of peace. And having sincere faith, godliness. Okay, so it all has to do with us as an assembly, doing all things for the purpose of edification, which he deals with in First Corinthians 14 a great deal. For the purpose of edification, everything must be done decently and in order. Now, verse nine, First Timothy two nine. 
in like manner, he's just given instruction for the men. I desire that all men pray everywhere. Now, in like manner also, that the women, that is, I desire that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. So Paul begins to lay out instruction here for the women. First of all, with, with dress, how, they, how, how women are to adorn themselves modestly. Now, I mean, I'm going to quote a man here, but this, this applies both ways. I, I was uh, listening once to uh, John Piper in an interview, and I uh, just thought this was a great way to put it. He was being asked about um, proper uh, pulpit attire, <laughs> uh, you know, Jeans and T-shirt, or you know, Hawaiian shirt and Bermuda shorts, or you know, I mean, they didn't mention those things, but I'm, it was just white attire or suit. And here was his answer. He said, "I try to dress in such a way that I don't draw attention to myself." Now, that's that's a little. Uh, that's not a. That doesn't give us a set rule, does it? It's, not, it's a little ambiguous. It's a little bit subjective. But it's a great principle. It's a great principle for pulpit attire. It's a great principle for uh, women's uh, dress as well. And I think I said all that because I think that's basically what Paul is saying here. You dress in a, in a modest manner. Um, he doesn't lay down specific rules uh, you know, wear your uh, dress to your ankles or your, your hair down to the middle of your back at least or any of those kinds of things. He simply says women should adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold, pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. That's That's what is that issue here for men and for women to live out our profession, those of us who profess godliness, to conduct ourselves in this world in moderation, with wisdom, um, not letting outward things uh, be what adorns us, but Inward things, that, that which is in the heart, godliness. Now, let, let, let's look at a, a passage here real quick to First uh, Peter before I, before I move beyond this. First Peter 3.3, here Peter is giving instruction to wives. In fact, let me read verse 1 through 3 here. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear. And notice again, chaste conduct. Verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart 
with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Not very precious in the sight of the world. Um, in fact, the world will mock at those things, but very precious in the sight of God. And it's what should matter to us. Essentially, what Peter is saying is the same thing that Paul is saying. There's not rigid rules for um, don't wear this or do wear that. But a very, a very basic guideline. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. That is, he's calling for true godliness from the inside that affects, um, you know, what we would wear or what we would do outwardly. So it should be the hidden person of the heart. A gentle, Quiet spirit. That's the same thing that the Holy Spirit is saying here through Paul in 1 Timothy 2.9. Women adorn themselves. And the word adorn there, by the way, it's, it's, it's uh, a derivative of the, of the word cosmos. It's same. Uh, cosmos is the word uh, used in John 3.16 for world. It has a variety of... of, uh, of uh, Meanings to it, translated with different words, but it, but basically it means order. So that's why it's used adornment, and it's where we get our word uh, cosmetic or cosmetology, um, cosmos, world. For God so loved, you might say the the divine order, the way that He ordered things, that He gave His only Son. So don't let your adorning, that is, when you put yourself in order. <laughs> Don't let it merely be the outward. The focus should be on the hidden man of the heart. Or, as Paul says here, uh, it should your your outward ordering should be um, modest, with propriety and moderation, uh, not not with a lot of uh, things to draw attention to yourself. But verse ten, back in First Timothy two, but which is proper. For women professing godliness with good works. Verse 11. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Um, again, keep in mind here what we're talking about is in the assembly. What, what we're doing right now in, in the assembly. In the assembly. Paul says, I desire that all men everywhere pray. I desire that woman, uh, women dress modestly um, and learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man in the church, in the assembly. He's saying that, that a, a woman cannot hold uh, an authoritative position. This is so important in our day um, when so many are fighting against this uh, so hard. Uh, as, in terms of salvation, in terms of relationship 
to God. Uh, men are no better than women. There, there, there is no... The women aren't something lesser. But it comes back again to order. God has set things in a certain order. And in the church, uh, the men are appointed as leaders in an authoritative sense. doesn't mean that women don't have any leadership roles at all, but, but Paul is forbidding um, here them to have teaching or authoritative positions over men in the assembly. In the assembly. All right, now I want to I compare a verse or two here. And... Uh, you can turn with me if you want, but don't lose your place here. 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> There's a lot here, more than we're going we're gonna to have time to cover tonight. Uh, these are very difficult, in my mind at least, very difficult passages. And uh, uh, I, I always want to be as careful as I can with Scripture. Anyway, period, handle it with care, rightly divide, cut it straight, the Word of Truth, especially the difficult passages. I, I, I try to be honest and I try to let you know, um, you know, that it's hard. I had a guy ask, ask me uh, just a couple of days ago about uh, the millennium. And, uh, of course, we're not have time to go into that tonight either, but... Uh, uh, I, I basically told him I'm, I'm between here and here somewhere. <laughs> Premillennialism and amillennialism. And, and uh, the bottom line is, how, however the Lord works it out, is I'm, I'm going to be happy about by the grace of God. And I think everybody, all of us will be. But uh, some, some things are just tough. And, and there's a lot of debate over them. This, this is one of them as well. But let me... Let me Try to explain that as we go through a couple of these. First Corinthians 14, verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is, a, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now, real quick again, just like over in Timothy, the, the context there is the assembly. Same thing here in Corinthians. In fact, uh, chapter 14, read chapter 14. Paul is giving instructions for the assembly. When we come together, how we are to uh, conduct ourselves, how we are to worship so that's the context. And here, in the three verses that I just read, he makes that doubly clear. Look at verse 34 again. Let your women keep silent in the churches, the assemblies. And then again, uh, in verse 35, If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the assembly in the congregation, in the church. So again, that's, that's the context here. In the assembly. So in Timothy, he says, I, I, I don't permit women to 
teach or have an authoritative position over men in the assembly, in the church. Here, worded a little differently, but essentially says the same thing. Women keep silent in the assemblies. Now, boy, this, this raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? And, and you, get, you get extremes from, uh, in our day, and I'm sure it's been this way for, for uh, probably, well, since the beginning. That's why Paul's having to deal with these things. You get extremes to where women aren't allowed to speak at all when they come in the auditorium, the, the house of worship. Or, on the other hand, it's like these passages are totally ignored and we have women serving as pastors, teaching and holding authoritative positions. Um, and then you have different views in between those. Those are the extremes. You've got different views in between those. So, so, so where is the right view? And as I was saying a moment ago, it's, it's, it's not, in, at least in my mind, it's not as simple as it looks. If you just read the two passages that we just read, it's pretty cut and dry. It seems to be, doesn't it? And it would almost put you in that camp that says, okay, um, as soon as... We all come together in the building. Women are not to speak. But those, I mean, we can't take those passages alone. Uh, Hold your spot here, and and let's go back just a few chapters here. Chapter 11. Do the best I can here to not be confusing, <laughs> but I'm telling you, like I said, there's a lot more here than what it appears on the surface. Um, chapter 11, Yeah, let's look at verse, uh, verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. The head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. Now, the main thing I want you to see here is verse four. Every, uh, I'm sorry, verse five. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Now, as there are some that say, I was I was looking at some stuff just today. There are some some that would say, well, you know, what we have here is just a blatant contradiction. Paul just contradicts himself. If you if you look at the context, it, at least it appears here, we he's still giving instruction for the assembly. In fact, right after this, he goes to talking about um, the Lord's Supper and how it is to be uh, partaken of in the right manner. So here in chapter 11, Paul is talking about women giving prophecy, prophesying. And then in chapter 
14, he says very clearly, very plainly, that women should be silent in the church. Now, maybe now you start to see a little bit of the difficulty. It's not as cut and dry as it seems to be on the surface when you look at uh, 1434 or, or uh, 1 Timothy 2.9. So, Paul says... Or does not say that women are not to prophesy. He says when they do prophesy, they must have their head covered uh, for the sake of, of the authority, for the sake of their head, the man. To, it's a, a sign of, of submission. But then in 14, he says they're to keep silent in the church. Well, let's go back to 14 again. Verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches. Now, let's, let's back up right there. Just a few verses. Verse 29. 1 Corinthians 14:29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy... One by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. So here, um, verses 34, 35, where Paul says women are to keep silent, ask their husbands at home, shameful for a woman to speak in church, are, are right in the middle of a discussion of tongues and prophecy. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. And then he, verse 28, he goes into talking about um, orderly prophecy. The prophets speak in turn. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. Verse 30, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, and I take that to mean another prophet, if, anyone, if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you, Verse 31, For you can all prophesy, all prophets, that is, are prophetesses. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. I don't think the all there means, means everybody in the congregation. It's the ones who... Who are uh, uh, who have the, the gift of prophecy operating there? And then verse 32: the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And then you come to verse 34: let your women keep silent. So here's the deal: <clears throat> verse verse uh, in, in chapter 14. In, in these verses, these whole chapter, he's talking about church order, what we do when we come together. In these few verses, he's talking about the operation of gifts of tongues and prophecy. In 
the few verses leading up to his statements about women, he's talking about judging prophecy. Again, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak, let the others, the other prophets, judge. So, some speak, that is, they, they give a word that they believe the Lord has, uh, has put on their, their heart. And the other prophets judge. That's, that's an authoritative role. The judging, that is, is, is an authoritative role. So the prophets speak, the others judge. And it's in the context of that discussion, again, verse 31, he says, you can all prophesy. Again, I take that to mean all those who have the gift of prophecy, not, not necessarily every, not every member. You can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So it's in the context of that discussion that he says, verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. Now, he clearly mentions women prophesying in chapter 11. We know that Philip had daughters who prophesied. Um, so there is some speaking going on there as part of the women's role. Yet, this much is clear. I think crystal clear. Here, and in 1 Timothy 2 especially, um, and let me go there again real quick. First Timothy 2.12 I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Probably uh, uh, somewhat of a distinction there. In other words, he's, saying, he's talking about two things, not, not just one thing. Uh, she's not permitted to teach, not permitted to have authority, not permitted to teach a man not permitted to have authority over a man in the assembly. So this much is crystal clear, I would say. And I know there are a lot of people that argue against this. I think this much is crystal clear. Women do not hold an authoritative role in the assembly, such as the position of elder. Because, Paul clearly says, they're not permitted to teach or to hold a position of authority. Corinthians 14, because of the context, probably talking about, there where he says women are to keep silent, he's probably talking about as far as judging the prophecies that go forth, because that's an authoritative position, and because he does not uh, prevent them from the prophecy itself. Chapter 11 seems to, to be clear about that. He, he doesn't instruct them not to prophesy. He instructs them to wear a head covering when they do prophesy.
let me try to let me try to say this again in, in a anytime I'm dealing with it with a with a really hard passage, I like to stay with what we know, what we know and emphasize that. We know this. He is not permitting a position of teaching or authority over men in the assembly. In the assembly. And I keep emphasizing that as well because uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila as a couple taught. Uh, and, and if you go, you know, if you read in Acts where they, uh, uh, was it Apollos that they took aside? I think it was Apollos that Priscilla and Aquila took aside and uh, showed him more perfectly the Word of God. But it's not in the context of the assembly. And here Paul's statements are clearly regarding the assembly. And women are not to teach or have authority over men in the assembly. So this much we know, that he is prohibiting positions of teaching, positions of, an, of authority in the church, in the assembly for, for women. All right. Uh, real quick, these last few verses. It's already time to finish. First Timothy 2.13. This needs to be said as well. Um, Paul's basis here, his reasoning for this, because you, you get all, all kinds of things, um, all kinds of explanations, usually to explain away what Paul is, is saying here. I remember a, a pastor we were uh, working with uh, years ago. He and his wife, and, and, and she taught, and she preached, and she pastored for a while. Um, but what, their, their thing was, uh, they were mainly focusing on the Corinthians there, and they would say, you know, they had this problem in Corinth, which apparently they had here at Ephesus too, with uh, just these really obnoxious women, you know, and they were just really loud and carrying on. And so Paul was targeting them. I mean, he was talking to that church because they had such a problem. Um, but that's a really, really, really weak <laughs> explanation for what Paul is saying here. And I want to show you this. He, he, he doesn't give anything like that as an explanation. He does earlier on. He talks about false doctrine and so forth. But he doesn't say that it's the women that are doing it. And he doesn't say that women who are teaching false doctrine are not permitted to teach or have authority. In fact, if that were the case, surely he wouldn't limit it to women, would he? I mean, he would say men and women who are teaching false doctrine should not be in a position of authority. No, he goes back to how God orders things. He roots this teaching in creation. That's the basis he gives. Not, not even the fall. You might say, well, you know, the, the, because this is a popular argument too. The, the fact that women were to be in submission to men was a result of the fall. As a result of sin, and now in Christ, there's no more male and female, and uh, you know that. That's so. There's no longer that submissive role. There's no longer male headship. But again, Paul doesn't root his argument in the fall. He roots it in creation. Verse 13: For Adam was formed first, then Eve. 
He's simply saying this, this, is the, this is the order that God established at creation. As we read in Corinthians, the, the head of the woman is man. Head of man is Christ. Head of Christ is God. This is God's established order. So he says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, if it hasn't been difficult enough already, how about verse 15? Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Wow. Um, there is, and this is one possibility, and, and I'm, well, let me, let me state it negatively first. I'm, I am quite sure Paul is not saying here that women are saved, that is, you know, your salvation spiritually, your relationship with God, is based on childbearing. We, he doesn't teach that. I mean, for, for example, in the book of Romans, he doesn't talk about, you know, the just shall live by faith, except women you know, be saved through childbearing. And I mentioned earlier the supposed contradiction of women speaking in 1 Corinthians 11 and not speaking in 1 Corinthians 14, it would be kind of crazy, really, wouldn't it, to think that the same author, just a couple of pages later, would just blatantly contradict himself. Some, some do think that, but it seems crazy to me. Um, he'd have to have a really bad memory <laughs> about what he just wrote. I don't think he contradicts himself, number one, because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But, but even uh, be unlikely for a man uninspired to contradict himself like that. Same type thing here. Paul uh, clearly uh, teaches the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone. So what is he talking about here? Here's, here's one possible uh, Meaning, and it made make sense to me. Um, the word childbearing here has a definite article in front of it <clears throat> in the Greek. The childbirth. The childbirth. She will be saved in the childbirth if they, the women, interesting too, it switches from singular to plural, but if they continue in faith, love, holiness, Self-control. Now, the rest of the verse is no problem, right? Continue in faith. That's, in fact, this is the message of Hebrews right here at the end of verse 15. Continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Run the race with endurance. Do the will of God. Receive the promise. It's that saved in childbearing part that makes it difficult. But if here he is referring to the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ that was spoken about almost immediately after the fall, you know, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, 
God confronts them about their sin and immediately tells Eve that she's going to, her seed is, is going to be at enmity with the seed of the serpent and will crush its head. Now, if he's making reference to that, then it would clearly be a statement of uh, salvation through Christ, which came through, Christ came through childbirth, woman. That's a possibility, all right? But, it, but again, it's, it's, a, it's a tough passage. Um, it, it, it could also just, just be he's emphasizing here her role, and he's basically saying this, this is uh, how your life is going to be, you know, in submission and, in, and, and your, your calling, so to speak, is childbearing and through living out the will of God, um, if you continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control, you will be saved. I hope that makes sense. The bottom line is this. In terms of relationship with God, men, women, were saved the same way. By grace, through faith. Men are not superior uh, somehow, spiritually. Um, I, I think I know myself good enough to know that... Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times it's about Paul calling women the weaker vessel, and I, and I have to stop and try to... Uh, try to define that because I like to define things, and I, I think now I, I know women that uh, are stronger than than I am emotionally. I know women that are stronger than I am intellectually. I know women that are stronger than I am. I went to school with a girl who could who could bell hay better than any guy that uh, at school. It wasn't just me. <laughs> she had no problem throwing bales of hay. <clears throat> so what does he mean? Weaker vessel. There's there's no superiority. Um, a, a different a different calling, a different role, does not make you less of a person. But there is a distinction in roles, and in the church even. Though, when you speak strictly in terms of salvation, strictly in terms of relationship with Christ, there's no male nor female, no Jew or Greek. All, all are on the same level. Yet, in church government, there is distinction in roles. So that Paul says, I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man but to be in silence in the church. So there's equality in a spiritual sense, and yet there is distinction as far as roles. We're about to get into... Uh, Chapter three, where we're going to discuss uh, elders and deacons, and uh, and we'll we'll see a little bit more of that when we when we get over there looking at the uh, at the qualifications. All right, well let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, and as always, uh, look to you for understanding. 
we pray, Lord. Uh, issues we talked about tonight, other issues that we wrestle with, uh, Lord. Ultimately, again, understanding comes from you. So we pray, help us uh, not only to to grasp the truth, comprehend it, but to live it, to uh, to put it into practice, so that we may indeed do your will. Glorify you while we're here. In Christ's name, amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.